0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait.
0: The Jets are 0-8 for the first time since 1996. That was the co-tight era. They can top that team's futility with a loss against New England this week. The good news, season's halfway over. I'm Tim McMaster with Connor Hughes and our producer, Marissa Morris. This is the Can't Wait Podcast. Subscribe, give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Hope everyone had a great Halloween weekend other than the Jets game. I know Connor... You have some venting to do before we get into the jets.
1: Oh, I, I embraced Blocktober for the first time in <laughs> in my uh, in my professional life. I think it was actually what well, was yesterday. It's it November second, November second. Yeah, so November first. I was a day day late on Blocktober. I just had enough, man. Like I I genuinely I never block anyone. Like if you guys want to like say oh this story sucks, if you want to say this this, if you say want to say this that, like it doesn't matter to me because at the end of the day you're still reading. You're still in some sense subscribing. And if you want to give me, like, I don't care. But what I have just had enough of is like, I come on this podcast all the time and I rip the people that I just, I I believe deserve to be ripped. I've, I've criticized Joe Douglas. I have criticized Christopher Johnson. I have criticized ad nauseum Adam Gase. I go and do TV hits in New York and I do the same stuff. I go and I write stories where I do the same stuff. And I am just so sick and tired of like, if you don't send, if every single tweet that you send or every single thing that comes out of my mouth, if it doesn't end with fire Adam Gase or Adam Gase is the spawn of Satan or Adam Gase needs to go, you suddenly are apparently just in bed with this guy and saying whatever. It, it just, it, it's, I can't do it anymore. I, I couldn't do it. Like I literally sent out a tweet criticizing Le'Veon Bell and I got about 35 responses about oh, wow, did your buddy Adam Gase tell you to say that? Oh, you got your Adam Gase shirt on <laughs> underneath that? Oh, does that... Finally, dude, I was I was done. I was freaking done. Because, like, again, eight days ago, I wrote a column that the Jets should fire him. Eight days ago, I wrote a story before the Bronco game that I felt it was time to move on from Adam Gase, and if they lost that game, it was time to move on from Adam Gase. Then I wrote another story explaining why the Jets didn't, but still stressed that I believed it was time to move on. Like, I have done... All of this, yet still, if I say once and one tweet that doesn't end, or if I criticize Sam Darnold, or if I criticize the offensive line, or if I criticize this, or if, I, if it doesn't involve shredding Adam Gase to part, shredding Adam Gase to bits, I am suddenly carrying his water. I'm like, have you not read anything? Like, people just see what they want to see. So finally, like, and I, I already deleted my mentions on TweetDeck. Where, like I deleted him, I just happened to click by mistake one of my own tweets on TweetDeck, which then shows you all of your mentions that are down there. After I saw that, it, I was like, you know what? probably because I was just so sick of watching this team again. but I was like, you know what? That's it. I'm blocking everyone. I must have blocked like 40 people. and I don't block anyone. like again, I I must have blocked 40 people yesterday and I was like, screw it, I'm done. I'm done. And you know it's actually pretty funny? Is like I went on uh, on on the story that I wrote yesterday off of the game, and I went I read the comments there because like people that subscribe to the Athletic they are paying to read like they're paying to read my Jets coverage and like so if that's gonna happen I try as much as I can to go in there to comment section if somebody asks a question answer the questions because again it's like you're paying like you're you're not like this isn't like someone just happened to click my link on Google like you subscribe to the Athletic if you're reading my story you paid to read it so I was like I'm gonna I owe it to you to read it first comment on my story is. Connor, I've been a loyal reader and you blocked me on Sunday. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I was like, well, what did you say? I, I asked him. I was like, because oh, I'm not, I'm not biting. I was like, if I, let me see what you said. Because I did. If I saw anything that started with off of that tweet, if anything started with Adam Gase, I blocked the person. I blocked, it was done. I'm done, done, over, done, done with it. Blocked them, immediately blocked them. So I was like, if this guy like was one of those that was like a super light comment where it was like, well, Adam Gase struggled to use it, blah, blah, blah. Then I was like, okay, I'll unblock you. But if he, if he was one of the vicious, just assholes that was like just tearing me apart because I criticized a guy who doesn't even play for the Jets anymore, I was done. I was, that's it. I'm done. It was, I, I finally, I, it broke me. Like you guys, like people ask this all the time is like, are the have Jets broken you? Are the Jets ever going to break you? Yes, the Jets and social media have broken me. I am a broken man and it has happened. I'm a broken man. I, still <laughs> and have I, laundry. Just like I How broken am I? I have laundry on my door.
2: I like would just like broken. to clarify it was all Connor doing the blocking. It was not me on Connor's <laughs> yes. Twitter blocking. Oh, that was the best <laughs> so Oh, yeah. We I got a lot back a back. lot of tweets that thought, Oh, maybe it was just Marissa taking over Connor's Twitter and going on a blocking spree. But nope, I Connor. found that hysterical. haven't blocked like, that's anybody, so despite being
0: broken, Connor was actually early today for the podcast that started yes. 30 minutes late because of some yep. technical issues, but we've now figured, we've it, figured out, it out and we are ready to yes. go going forward. So a lot to get to on this episode. We're going to talk about the good and bad from the young Jets players. That's pretty much going to be the focus of this podcast going forward, I think, is is week to week progress reports on the young guys. We'll talk about which teams are the biggest threat to steal Trevor Lawrence from the Jets and of course the trade deadline coming up Tuesday at 4 p.m. Let's start there because after the game, Connor, Avery Williamson... Sent to the Steelers. I will say this about the Jets and this trade deadline, man. They are just sending guys to great teams, which makes sense, teams that are trying to load up. But Avery Williamson goes from 0-8 to 7-0, and man. The Jets move up two rounds in the 2022 draft. Basically, they send a seventh rounder to the Steelers. They get a fifth rounder back. They save a little money for Williamson as well. Um, does it feel like the big moves for the Jets at this point? Have kind of been covered between now and, and 4 p.m. Tuesday?
1: Uh, not necessarily. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't, I think there's still players that I would watch and, and still players I would, I would keep an eye on because I think the way that the Jets will, will put this and the way that Jets can, look, if there is a player that they can get draft pick compensation for right now, that is not a player that they believe is going to be a part of their future. They're willing to deal him. That's why they sent Steve McClendon away. They realized this was probably the last year that he was going to play for the team. Then he was going to go to a contender next year, and, and he wasn't really helping the Jets. I'll tell you what, I said this to Marissa: like, I look like a freaking ghost because of this lighting in my room. Like, I need like a wall. Like, see, I look, I look fine now. Getting a you ring light. It. Yeah. Yes, I need to get one of those. Yeah. Bree got me a selfie light like forever ago to do like TV hits and stuff. I got to set it up like right here and see if I can't make it work but no i mean the way the jets are approaching this thing is that if if there's anyone that they think has value like in terms of like that another team would value that they are not that they don't believe as a part of this team they'll deal them and they'll move them to whoever or whomever whatever team wants them so that's why you saw avery go to the steelers the steelers had an injury at linebacker they needed a solid interior linebacker to kind of shore up a team that is now undefeated so like surprisingly i did not think the steelers are going to be that good this year um, and they were, they, they, they saw a hole. They needed a linebacker. They went out, they gave the jet and for the jets. They realized Avery Williamson was not going to be a part of this team next year. They weren't going to resign him. So you deal him for, uh, like you said, you move up two rounds in the 2022 draft. I think it was. Yep. So you move up to round seven to the fifth. That's fine. It's it's an improvement. You get rid of a player that was always going to be gone. And because of how active the Jets are going to be in free agency this coming year, they're really not going to be in the running for any kind of comp picks for the guys that they do let go. So it makes sense to just get your picks now. Make sure you get something fine, uh, shored up. And, and that's what they did. And I would keep an eye on Marcus May. I think that he is he's probably a guy that that if I was ranking the likelihood of trading, I think he's probably a little bit lower on the list uh, just because I'm not terribly sure the Jets are willing to give up on him yet. And I think that he might be a guy that for the right offer and for the right contract, they would be willing to bring him back next season. They love him as a leader. They love what he does in terms of solidifying the the deep safety portion. Uh, if, if Ashton Davis can develop a little bit more and become that strong safety, I think he's a good pairing with Marcus May. So I'm not terribly sure they're going to be overly willing to give rid of him. If some team was willing to come at them with like a three or a four, then I think, yeah, Marcus Mays out the door. But uh, he's probably someone that they're not going to be willing to move yet. Jordan Jenkins, another guy that that if somebody feels he could help their team and, and that someone's willing to trade for him, I think the Jets could do that. Now, the problem, I think, might be, is he going to pass a physical because he's dealing with rib issues. Uh, what else is he? At? It's like rib. I think he's dealing with shoulder problem. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of stuff wrong with Jordan Jenkins right now as far as injuries are concerned. So I think that he might be a guy that, that could potentially be going. But again, when I think about him, I don't think the Jets are going to get very much. You know, the Jets dealt Marcus Golden, the guy who had 10 sacks last, or the Giants jet draft uh, dealt Marcus Golden, I'm sorry, the guy who had like 10 sacks last year. I think what, they get like a six or a seventh round pick. Like they got nothing for Marcus Golden. I think you're probably looking at similar value for Jordan Jenkins, especially the fact that he's banged up. He's never had 10 plus sacks. He, he doesn't have, he's haven't hasn't done very much this year in terms of, uh, getting to the quarterback and has kind of regressed back to that edge setter. So I don't know how much they're going to get for him. And then, like we've said, Avery and, and the one guy who is not moving and not going to go. And you're kind of seeing why he's not going to go now is Quinn. He's a guy that the jets believe has the chance to, to be a part of this team uh, moving forward, a chance to be a pretty, pretty dominant player. And unless someone's going to give him a quarterback, like ransom, a Jamal Adams, like ransom, he's going to be on this team.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One guy that won't be traded, right? Quentin Williams, who had another big game on Sunday. Um, that was a guy that was rumored kind of early in the process, but he's starting to look like he warrants the pick that the Jets took him with early in that draft. Um, he got to the quarterback a little bit, um, tackles for losses, kind of wreaking havoc on that defensive front. And it's it feels like, you know, we saw the flashes, Connor. Um, last year we saw maybe – a couple flashes all season this year, they were coming and Now it feels like it's a little more consistent from week to week. Just talk about the progress you're seeing from Quinn and Williams who won't be dealt.
1: He's coming into his own. I, yeah. I think that's the big thing. You know, when the jets, the one thing that I hate about like drafting 34 defensive linemen so early and, and drafting kind of like that defensive tackle and a 43 or 34 defensive linemen. So, so early is that like you're rolling the dice and praying that you have the next JJ Watt and you're rolling the dice and praying that you have the next, um, uh, Aaron Donald. Like that's, that's who that's, that's what you're wanting. Well, Aaron Donald was a a mid round pick or a, a mid first round pick. And so was JJ. Watt. I mean, those guys weren't top five selections. So the odds that you're getting one of those two guys are incredibly slim. You're more likely to find yourselves with a Leonard Williams. You know, you're more likely to find yourselves with a Dexter Lawrence. You know, someone who's a a 34 defensive end, defensive tackle who's very good against the run, but on his best days are going to get you like six, seven, eight sacks a year. Like that's what you're kind of getting on a, like a best case scenario with those players. And and for me, that's not worthy of a top five pick. When you're picking top five, in my opinion, you want the premier left tackle your franchise left tackle you want your franchise quarterback you want a elite level edge rusher you want the shutdown jalen ramsey like corner those are the guys that in my opinion are worth the top five selection and if you're not going to get one of those players with a top five pick whether that player is just not in this draft or you don't need one of those players in my opinion what you should do is then trade black trade back like that is my reporter team building philosophy is that if you're not going to get one of those premier picks with a top five pick trade back in the draft, get more draft picks and then then select in the middle round. So when the the Jets drafted Quinnen and then he had that performance like he did his rookie year, in my opinion, I was kind of like, this is just another Leonard. It's just another 34 defensive end that's going to be solid against the run, occasionally get to the quarterback, but not really change a game. What you're seeing uh, more often this year and what you're seeing a little bit more frequently this year is a guy that is having game-changing potential. And I'm not willing to say he's on a, on an Aaron Donald-like trajectory. I'm not willing to say he's on a J.J. Um, uh, Watt-like trajectory just because those guys are in such another world that you don't know yet. But there's enough there to work with where you can see the pieces that you've got a player up front in Quinn and Williams. You know, you've got a ju- guy that maybe can develop into like a Chris Jones-like player for the Kansas City Chiefs, where you can have somebody that's that is a – a dominant type player because you see him now fighting off blocks, like the play he made on the screen where he was able to fight off a block, get into the backfield and then bring the guy down with somebody basically draped around him. That's a big league play. I mean, that's not, you know, you happen to get off the line quick and you're just making it open field tackle. He's fighting off. Somebody who's trying to block him still making his way up the field, then making a tackle the play, which, which was actually a sack on, on Pat Mahomes. If the jets wanted to challenge it, they would have because his, his knee was down. He got off the ball. So goddamn quick. I mean, forget any Zach Martin, Quentin Nelson, none of those offensive linemen would have blocked uh, Quentin Williams on that play because of how quickly he got off the line. I mean, he was in the backfield like that. I mean, that's something that you can't really coach. So there are things that Quentin still needs to work on for, for the jets. They need to get him to the point where he's playing hundred miles per hour. Every single time he's on the field, you know, you get those glimmers, but you know, it's almost like the more he's on the field, he kind of wears down a little bit. You get him like, he'll go all, you know, balls to the wall on one or two plays, but then kind of takes the next playoff because he needs to recoup. You know, he needs to get that energy up. I think he's still young. He's only like 21, 22 years old. So he still needs to come into his body a little bit more, put on some more muscle, continue to work on his conditioning. But I think what you're finally starting to see this year, which you did not see in year one, is a legitimate step forward, is legitimate possibility and legitimate potential where you can say, you know what? There are some tools here to work with where you could potentially have, a player that is a legitimate difference maker up front. And and I don't again like I said, I don't know if Quinton's ever going to be a 10 15 sack guy. I don't I don't there aren't very many of those players that play his position that are capable of doing that. But if you have him as a as a real true very good, not above average, but very good borderline pro bowl 34 defensive end, think um Fletcher Cox. If you've got yeah. Fletcher Cox, at that defensive end spot in Quinton Williams, which I think is actually a pretty good pro comparison. Fletcher's bigger, but Quinton can grow into the body that Fletcher has now. If you have Fletcher Cox at your defensive, right, 34 defensive end or, or 43 defensive tackle spot, then you have Bryce Huff on one side, who the Jets absolutely love. And then whether it's this year with one of those two first-round picks, with one of those two second-round picks, or next year with another first-round pick, if one of those years you then find a true edge-setting pass rusher, you know, like a, a Von Miller. If you find a Alden Smith in his prime, I just watched the Cowboys last night, so his name's on my mind. If you find somebody like that on the other side, suddenly that defensive front is the type of defensive front that can mask some issues in the secondary. Because you've got a a true, maybe not 10-sack guy, but a high-effort, edge-setting, really good hustle player in Bryce Huff. You then have Quinnen Williams, who develops into that Fletcher Cox mold. You have um, Jabari Zuninga. The guy who the Jets drafted this year, who you're hoping to see more from. You've got him at one of those defensive end spots. And then you have the guy that you draft who is the the che- game-changing uh, outside linebacker, if you will, and in, in eventually to find your pass rusher. I mean, that is a defensive front that can be reckoned with for years to come. And, and the first piece in that is Quinn and Williams developing, and you're starting to see that this year.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? The Young Jets, the, you know, that we actually have been pretty hopeful already through this uh, show. I think we already talked about Quinn and Williams, but let's talk about some of the other guys, not just how they played, Connor, but how they weren't used as much as they should have been. And we need to get into that. But let's start with Darnold, who's probably, as we get week to week further into this season, less and less of a part of this team's future but he also seems to get worse and worse each week, which is going to affect what they can get for him. If they do end up needing to trade him. I mean, it just continues to just be so frustrating to, to watch him week to week.
1: Yeah. It's, it's honestly with Sam and, and yeah, we'll get to like the Mims thing and all that. Cause Mims being so underused in that second half is, is a complete, it's not acceptable. It's completely unacceptable. But to, to answer your first part, though, and, and just touch upon the same thing first is that it's getting bad and it's getting to the point where and Brian Costello wrote about that. I was actually talking to him after the game because Brian's been on the beat longer than I have. He's he's one of the guys that's helped me like when I, I kind of have you know questions about it and what to do and how to approach certain situations. I mean, cause is a really good guy. And he's he's honestly like I've always said, like in my career, the way that I've come up, I've never really had a aside from with Steve Politi at the at the at the ledger for a bit. I wasn't in like the farm system of a major publication. So I wasn't in like the daily news farm system where I could have, you know, spent time working underneath like Gary Myers and then, you know, really had Gary like teach me how to do the job or being at the post where you have, you know, vac who's one of the best in the business or Mark Cannizzaro, one of the best in the, you I, mean, I never really, like I, I kind of was like on my own, you know, I was at like uh this, I was at uh, scout.com and the journal Inquirer and about.com. And I kind of just figured out my way to, to make it to where I've made it. So like I go to now guys that, even though they're my competition, I do go to them and ask them like advice and opinions on how to do certain things. And and I said to Kaz after that after we talk after we had talked to Sam after this game to the Chiefs, I texted Kaz and I was like, man, I'll be honest with you. I was like, he seems broken. And I'm not talking about play which we can, we can go into, like, we can go into play. We can talk about, you know, his footwork and his fundamentals and missing guys open and, and, you know, kind of escaping phantom pressures where, you know, because he's been hit so much, he just assumes the pocket's going to collapse on him. So even when it's clean, he's running outside. Like we can talk about all that, but I was like, but just talking to Sam and looking at Sam and it's not in person, but it's over a video chat, but still looking at him. This was the first time after a game where I was like, this dude seems broken. He seems like a broken person. He sounded depressed. He seemed irritated and annoyed. There were times where he was rolling his eyes. There were times where there was just overwhelming frustration. And I don't know if it's because he's starting to come to the realization that he's not going to be this team's quarterback moving forward. I don't know if it's because he's coming to the realization that he's struggling and he doesn't know why he's struggling. I don't know if he's finally starting to hit him that year three, the year every quarterback takes a jump, the year you can finally be a franchise signal caller, and that just hasn't happened for him. I don't know what it was, but something's wrong. And I said to Kyle, I was like, did I just see that wrong, or was it you know kind of what I said? And he goes, no. He goes, actually, kind of goes, talking to Sam now reminds me very much of what it was like talking to Mark Sanchez towards the end of that, where he just realizes that, the good times are gone. The, the the hype is gone. The team's moving on. The fans are moving on. Everything is moving on. And and that's Sam as a person. And I think that Sam, that mindset is having a role on the games. Because this guy, I think I tweeted it out. He completed one pass in the second half of that Bills game. One pass. Ben DiNucci did more than that. I know Ben DiNucci's playing for more. But still, Ben DiNucci did more than that last night sam completed one pass against the bills against the the chiefs he was six of 12 for like 26 yards like that is that's dreadful like that's that's not that's not franchise i don't care who you're throwing to i don't care who your offensive coordinator is i don't care what your offensive line's like six of 12 for 26 yards is absolutely abysmal and it's starting to get to the point where and the jets say it's not and sam says it's not and the trainer said it's not but i don't know if that shoulder's right and i don't know if like Maybe he's favoring or thinking about it. I mean, the the hit that he took, I thought that was it. When Sam got sandwiched between those two chief defenders in the fourth quarter and he laid on the ground with his arm like this and then came up favoring it, I was like, that's it. It's the last we saw is Sam. That's the last we see of Sam in a Jets jersey because Flacco's gonna start the final few games and the Jets gonna put Sam on the IR and they'll try to trade him the offseason. But I think the one thing that you you mentioned there, Tim, and it, it's it's a it's a fascinating thing to discuss and it's a fascinating thing to debate. And it's that I genuinely believe now that Sam playing and the more Sam plays is not only running risk to his health because he's just getting beat the hell up behind this offensive line and beat the hell up by running around and trying to make plays with his legs. And considering the fact he's already dealing with a shoulder injury, a shoulder injury that he now tweaked again against the chiefs. And is probably only going to get worse as the season goes on. He's not only hurting himself in his play, but he's also now hurting his trade value where if you're the Indianapolis Colts and you're saying like, all right, I'm willing to give the Jets a three to bring Sam Darnold in here, and, and he'll either replace Phillip Rivers if he retires or at least get a chance to learn underneath Phillip Rivers for a year and then be our quarterback. Are you really willing to now give up a three for what you've seen from Sam Darnold this year? I mean, again, the guy, again, didn't. he's got three touchdowns in how many starts? Six? Six starts he has? He's got three touchdowns in six starts. Pat Mahomes threw four touchdowns in the first half and five on the game. Like, like this is just – it's it's – He's out there. He's clearly not the same. He's mentally broken, which I think is the mental aspect of it is what's causing him issues on the field. And then with him having issues on the field is where you're having now diminishing his draft stock. And it's almost like just sit him for the year. And I, I, I'm not there yet. We could. I mean, Adam Gase is going to talk to us at 2 p.m. today. He'll provide an update on Sam Darnold if the shoulders. Going to be something where he's in so much pain today. Because, again, like I know Gase said he was said – where he was told by trainers, you know, don't worry, it's not something I would worry about right now, blah, blah, blah. But the whole Sam Darnold went back in the game, Sam Darnold was fine, that he felt fine, said he was fine after the game, was what we said after the Bronco game. On Monday, Sam couldn't lift his head, his arm over his shoulder, and he missed two weeks. So the same thing could very easily happen. We'll find out more when we talk to Adam Gase in a couple hours here. But I'm just getting to the point now where I wonder what the benefit of playing Sam Darnold is. And if it's getting so bad right now with the Jets, that it might be best just to put him on IR, Let that shoulder get healthy. Don't risk him just getting beat up and beat up and beat up more and just let this season run its course.
0: It's fascinating that the Jets basically when they go to trade this guy are going to have to basically tell teams, you know, he's still great. We just screwed him up. I mean, that almost has to be the message, right? It's so weird. But if you want to get maximum value back for this guy, you basically need to admit that like we were the problem. But he'll yeah. be great for you. Like, really, give us a third-round pick because he's really a lot better than he played for us because that's just the—we're the Jets. I mean, it's it's the worst possible situation, but but that's the way it's going to play out. All right, we mentioned the, the usage of Mims a little bit. Two catches, 42 yards in the first half. Um, he looked good on those two catches, obviously. Two targets, two catches. Second half, nothing. One target in the third quarter. Um, add to that, LaMichael Pirine had less carries— than Frank Gore again. Um, Connor it just doesn't make sense when you're looking to the future and looking to to get these guys better so that this future of the team can can take over next season
1: and you're not giving them opportunities. Throw the ball to Mims. Just throw it up. Throw him the goddamn ball. Yeah. This guy, like, this is what's weird, this is what's kind of funky about Mims, right? Is that like I didn't get a chance to see him in training camp because of those hamstrings. There was no OTA's mini camp, rookie minicamp, because of the the COVID. So, like, we like I haven't had a chance to see him really in person. The only time I've actually seen him in person is on a far field working with trainers because like you don't you just don't. And then the first time I saw him was obviously when he made his debut, but I'm in a press box looking all the way down on this guy. So watching him on TV yesterday kind of showed me like the guy's pretty physically imposing. I know he's listed 6'3", 207. I think he's bigger than two oh seven, or at least he's thick. Like he's thick with two C's, man, because that guy, like he's a big guy. Like he like you can see, he is a physically imposing player. That twenty something yard catch that he made down the right sideline, that's a play that not too many people can make. Not too many receivers in the NFL make. The top tier receivers make that play where the ball is thrown a little bit behind you. So you adjust in air to but still While you're running, adjust your body while you're running, high point the ball, make the grab, and then maintain control while you fall to the ground, get your tushy inbounds before bouncing out. and It's a a big first down, big gain down the sideline. That's a play not too many people make. When you have a player that is capable of doing things like that in one-on-one coverage, that's the type of player that when the ball is in the air, there's a chance that he makes something happen. This isn't throwing a jump ball to Jameson Crowder. This isn't throwing one deep to Jeff Smith. This isn't taking a chance with Josh Malone. This is having a player that is so confident, that has so much swagger, that has so much physical talent that he can make things happen when things aren't supposed to happen. When you suck, which the Jets do, and you need plays, and you need a game to change, and you need something to flip on its head, you give those players, which believe it, the Jets now have one of those players. This isn't like what it was in week one, two, and three. The Jets have one of those guys that's capable of doing this. When you have a player that's capable of doing that and things aren't going right, you need to turn the game around, throw him the damn ball. Just throw it up there. See what happens. What's the worst that can happen? The Jets lost 35 to nine. They didn't get in the end zone. They they, they ran for 12 yards and had 26 passing yards in the second half. Take the snap. Drop back. Throw the ball down the field and see if something can happen because Mims showed on that grab. He has the capability of it doesn't matter who's on him. He has a chance if that ball's in the air, there's a 50-50 chance he's going to make the play. And when you need a play, give him a chance. The fact that he saw one target in the second half, the Chiefs don't have Tredavious White outside. The Chiefs don't have Jalen Ramsey. The Chiefs have two pretty good safeties, but they aren't like this dynamic game-changing defense they have a good defense they have a defense that can afford to be honestly below average and they'll still win 12 13 games because how good that offense is but when you need to play the fact that you don't even give mims the chance to do it i just, i don't understand it i don't and i get like you can say oh they were shading coverage that way it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because mims showed he can make something happen when the ball is put in the air and it just it blows my mind and like i you, you, you listen to what the coaching staff says where they say like you know frank gore's Gonna be the guy in the first series, and then we're gonna turn things over to P Ryan, and P Ryan's gonna be the focal point in the second half. You're basically just gonna have all of P Ryan. The first like three series of the second half was Frank Gore, and you right. talk about all right, you know, we don't have anyone that can stretch the field aside from Mims. You know, we don't really have anyone that can make plays. Mims is still developing, but you see in the first half the play that Mims can make when the ball is just in the air, where you let not not fundamentals when you don't let route running, but you just let your physical ability take over. You see what Mims can do, and you don't even like throw him a jump ball in the second half. You're down. You suck. You're going to lose anyway. Take a chance. Like, just throw it up there and see if something can't flip the game. There were a few series there in the third quarter where the Jets' defense stood on their head a little bit, and it gave the offense a chance to, like, make something happen. The offense started the fourth, the, the third quarter with three straight three and outs. Why not just throw one? Throw one deep. Just drop back and tell Sam, we don't care what the hell happens. We're going to lose anyway. Just throw it up to Mims and see if he can't flip the game around. See if Mims can't turn this one around. See if Mims can't make a change. Throw it deep. Just take a goddamn chance. And instead, you throw one pass to him. He's the only player worth a damn on offense right now. The only player worth a damn on offense. And you throw him one pass, one. Like, what is the, I don't, again, Deion Sanders isn't going one on one with him. This isn't like this guy stonewalled at the line by, by Rod Woodson. It's the Chiefs. Like, just throw it deep, take a chance. You already saw what can happen once in the first half. And the fact it's just, it, it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. And and you talk about, well, can things really get worse if you hand the play calling over to Dowell Loggins? Guess what? They've gotten worse because this offense has scored <laughs> After one half-time. touchdown. Yeah, this offense <laughs> has scored one touchdown in the two games. They have yet to eclipse 300 yards. I don't think they've eclipsed 250 yards of offense in the two games that Dow Loggins has been this team's offensive coordinator. And I don't know what the hell do. I don't know what the Jets do in the second half of games. By the way, they go into that locker room. I think they're playing like Candyland. I have, I have no clue because they are just – they come out at the halftime and they're like, yeah, well, we made adjustments. We made changes. No, you didn't. I mean, unless you, your adjustments were like it was kind of working in the first half. Let's throw that shit out the window. I don't know what you did because it just uh, – I don't know what they're doing at halftime, man. But honestly, like the biggest thing that just blew my mind exiting that game was thinking like fourth quarters is winding down. I just finished my block fest on everyone who was, who was just pissing me off on Twitter. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what the hell happened to Mims? Did he get hurt? And I look on the field, and I look at the series. I'm like, oh, no, there there he is. I was like, one target? One? One target to the only guy you have on offense that can make a play. One. You don't even give him a chance. You're not even giving him a chance. Like, what are you doing? What are we doing? What, What is what's going on? It's just – And like I say, you want to fire Adam Gase, fine, fire Adam Gase. But it's not going to get any better because Dow Loggins is the guy who's dialing up these plays. And you want to fire him, too, and hand things over to Jim Bob Cooter. And that's the case. I mean, I don't know if it's going to – maybe it'll get better. I have no idea. At this point, I don't know. I don't know. But that yeah, thats just that was just
0: It was uh it was 21 to 9, three straight possessions there in the third quarter for the Jets and three and out, three and time. out, three remember. and out. Yeah. It was brutal. The
1: Jets were never going to win. I mean, they were well, of the, like, course. honestly. I but they could as have the made it
0: interesting in the third.
1: Yes, and just throw a play to your guy. Throw a play to your 6'3", 210-pound athletic freak of a wide receiver. Chuck it up. This isn't Lawrence Cager we're talking about. This isn't Josh Malone we're talking about. We're not talking about giving Vincent Smith a chance one-on-one. It's the guy you invested a second-round pick in who has already showed in practices and now in games that he can make something happen when he's not supposed to make something happen. So give him a chance. Forget his route running. Forget his fundamentals. Forget the fact that he doesn't really know all the time how to approach. Certain- Just put the ball in the air and tell him, go get that ball. Simple game. Go get the ball. Ball, see ball, get ball. That's that's the game plan with Mims. And he has the athletic ability to do it. So give him the chance to do it. One pass isn't giving him a chance to do it. One pass, you might as well sit his ass on the bench. Who cares? Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous.
0: All right. That brings us to the uh, Tank for Trevor Segment of the podcast, Um, just a couple things on this Jets team as they hit 0-8. I look back uh, at the 2017 Browns and the 2008 Lions, the two 0-16 teams in NFL history. That Browns team had six one-score losses, four three-point losses, and two overtime losses. And the Lions were a little worse than that, but still had four one-score losses, one two-point loss. The Jets yet to be—oh, no, that's not true. They had one— one score loss with a two-point conversion because they lost 18-10 to the Bills. I mean, this team of, of the 0-16 teams in NFL history, this is the worst of those. So just some some insight into where the Jets are. But that They're said, off. that number one pick is, is not a lock yet, although they did have a good weekend. Vikings, Bengals, Falcons, all winners. So, Connor, you got the Jags, the Giants, the Texans. The Jags play the Texans this week, so one of them is yeah. getting another win. It feels like it's a it's a three team race for that number one pick with the Jets, Jags, Giants.
1: Yeah, you, you made reference to uh to how like to compare like comparing those those teams. I got I haven't looked because it's like I just, it's not something I've done yet, but I want to go back and look to see because I think the most amazing thing about the Jets so far is that this is this is like we're in we're in the NFL now where like offenses reign supreme, like offenses do it all. The Jets haven't had three hundred team yards in a game this year. I don't think. Like I'm I'm, I'm yeah, fairly I so. certain because I remember writing it three weeks ago or before the Bills game. I remember writing the Jets haven't had 300 yards as a team yet. And they didn't do it against the Bills, obviously. And they didn't do it this Sunday. So I'm fairly certain that the Jets have not had 300 yards. There was a game. Well, no, 285 against Arizona.
0: Oh, no, sorry. 321 against Denver. They did it they once. Had, they did have 321 once. against Denver? Yeah. Okay,
1: so they did it once. So they've had 300 yards. Once, once they've had 300, more than 300 team yards once. And this is like, we saw two weeks ago, three weeks. Oh, it was it. There was a primetime game where the two teams combined for like a thousand yards of offense. Yeah. Like, and, and the jets can't get 300 themselves. Like Pat Mahomes drew for 400. Like it's, 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 it blows my mind. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's what I've been looking at is, is I don't, I have, because we all know the jets stink. We all know the jets are like historic. like if they're going to own 16, but it's always like, You have to think about if they win a game. And honestly, like we'll we'll talk about this too, that it would be so, so fitting for the Patriots to be the team that gives the Jets a victory and knocks them out of the running for Trevor Lawrence. But the three teams, like you said, that they are most competing for because the Minnesota Vikings beat the the Green Bay Packers. So they're looking at – they have two wins now, so that gives the Jets a two-game lead, and the Jets aren't winning two games this season. So you're moving – like you can move them along. Uh, Washington, Philadelphia, Dallas, they're all – I think Philly has three wins now, but – those three teams are, are all kind of in in that two win territory but they are all gonna play each other again so you know like the the NFC East is just gonna like throw Poo at each other and eventually someone's gonna come out with less and and they'll be the team that wins the NFC East and everyone else will probably still have three or four wins because they get to play each other um but they that team stinks so I mean they're gonna take themselves out of it. So I honestly believe that the three teams most likely to have a shot at Trevor Lawrence, are going to be the three teams with one win right now. And that is the New York Giants, who have one win, who are easily the worst team in the NFC East, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Houston Texans. And the thing about the Houston Texans is, obviously, they, if they finished with the number one or two pick, they're not drafting Trevor Lawrence. They're not also not going to draft Trevor Lawrence because they have Deshaun Watson. Also, they don't own their pick because they gave that to the Dolphins because, LOL, Bill O'Brien. Right, the, the Dolphins the, aren't
0: going to draft Trevor Lawrence. Correct, either.
1: they would trade that for a massive bounty and use that right. to solidify their team around Tua. So uh, the brother of of the of Maryland phenom, the great Maryland yeah. legend. Yeah. I I, yeah, I I was waiting to see if Marissa had a Tua jersey on today. We we're going I guess that's probably we're probably a week. Talia, from from that. Talia. Talia, Talia's Talia, brother
2: sorry. is Tua, all right? Like we're yes. going to start referring to like oh, Talia's brother, not because By the poor w- kid just gets identified as Tua's brother. He's like killing it on Friday night uh on ESPN and all they're calling him is Tua's brother. So let's start. I will bet 300
1: dollars that he was called to his brother by Marissa before he went to Maryland, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> no. Before he was Maryland's well, quarterback. Before- he was to his brother.
2: Okay, but now he is Maryland's quarterback, so he's got his own this, identity. The pride.
1: Are they ranked? Yes. Is Maryland- I honestly I'm not I'm not like no. BSing it. No. Are they I didn't know? I honestly no. didn't know if Maryland's ranked
2: <laughs> their first game of the season was, I mean, they were they were three score underdogs versus Minnesota and I won that game. They were like Cashman
1: University, Eric Decker University. Yeah. Like Cashman, Eric Decker University. And, and um, uh,
2: they had the best social media post uh, uh, capsized and boat rode with uh, Talia walking off, you know, because Minnesota rose, rose the boat. So there, yeah. that's
1: good. That's okay. good. Um, but obviously, yeah, like we said, <laughs> Houston's obviously with the one win team, interim head coach, which I also think they're so talented that they're going to get another win. But even if they got it, they gave it to Dolphins, blah, blah, blah. But looking through, I think of those. Three teams, I don't think the Texans are a legitimate contender to take down like to, to actually finish with one or two, like to finish with one win. I don't I don't think so. Because you look at it, they play the Jaguars this coming week, which you mentioned, Tim. So that's that's gonna knock at least Jacksonville or Houston out of the picture. They should be able to beat Jacksonville. They play Cleveland. Cleveland's obviously a good team, but you kind of they're Dr. Jekyll you don't know what you're getting with Baker. Like, and honestly, it would not surprise me to see that Cleveland team kind of sleep on Houston a little bit. And then have Houston take because again, when you have Deshaun Watson, anything is possible. And I told the Watson sidelined, literally anything is possible. They can win any game. They also play the Patriots who are not very good. The Texans could easily beat the Patriots this year. The lions. You don't know what you're getting with. The Colts are a pretty good team. Then they play Chicago. Chicago is the worst five win team I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I I've watched yeah, them. They're not as fair. bad as, they're not as bad as Troy Aikman and Joe Buck made them seem yesterday. Like watching that game was kind of difficult, but they're a team that, that Houston can beat Houston can beat Chicago as well then Houston also still has a game against the Cincinnati Bengals who are playing better, playing inspired. Joe Burrow is the real deal. But again, the Texans have Deshaun Watson, and they can even each other out. So the Texans are the one where they have one win right now. They're technically, I think they're slated to pick three or four officially. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they're a team that I would take out of the running, right? Just I don't think they're a contender. The Giants are the other team. Like the Giants are a one-win team. They are as bad as advertised. That team finds ways to lose games. That team, if they figure finish with the number one pick, they're going to take Trevor Lawrence as well. will give up on Daniel Jones. They'll absolutely do that. Looking at their schedule moving forward, though, they have the opportunity to steal a game or two. Again, I'm not overly worried with it. Are they going to win three games, four games? No, but I think they'll win at least two because they've got, after Monday night tonight against the Bucs, they play Washington. They've already beat Washington once. They play Philadelphia at home. Philadelphia almost lost to Ben uh, uh Ben Denucci. Nice Italian boy, Ben Denucci. They, they almost lost to Ben Danucci. Like, like, they almost lost to him. And I think the Giants will be motivated. And I think Joe Judge is going to have that team where they're not going to cave in on themselves. Joe Judge seems like an ex- an expert motivator. And I think the Giants might actually beat the Eagles in that, in that coming game up because I think they're going to be so motivated after the way they blew it last time that Joe Douglas, they won't, Past teams will look at that or the Jets will look at it like, man, we almost won, we lost, come in demoralized. I think they'll come in pissed off and want to beat the Eagles. So I think the Giants can actually win there. But you got Washington, Still, the Giants have to play. You have Philadelphia. You also have Cincinnati. And uh, you have Dallas at the end of the season in week 17. That's four games. Washington, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, Dallas. Those games are all winnable for the Giants. I'm not going to win all of them, but they should probably win one or two of them, which immediately takes them out. The biggest threat, for the Jets, in my opinion, for that number one pick and the right to draft Trevor Lawrence is undeniably the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, and they've had their
0: eyes on that pick since, what, June? The Jags? Oh, yeah. They're the one team that entered the season already in tank mode.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. And you and they they just bet. are there. I don't, why? I don't, maybe you. I, so, he's I don't hurt, know you guys why is?
2: I think he's yeah, hurt. Yeah, is he hurt?
1: Okay, because when sure. I saw the tweets about him not starting, it seemed, it was oddly worded, where I was like, wait, was he benched? Or? I thought he was hurt. And then like, it was like a rib issue or something like that. But you look at, they have no one behind thumb. Thumb is a thumb. Okay. uh Yeah. I saw saw that briefly, but the thing about Jacksonville is that not only are they a terrible team and not only do they, they not have much going for them. And now they're missing the one quarterback that can randomly just like, kind of like Ryan Fitzpatrick, just pull a random six touchdown game out of his rear end and be like, Hey, look, we can now win because Minshew just went off. Their schedule is brutal. Like, yep. the, like the Jaguar schedule is atrocious. I mean, they play Houston this week. Houston, obviously, is, is a 10 times better team. And unless Houston sleepwalks in that game, Houston should beat Jacksonville. Like, absolutely, Houston should beat Jacksonville. After that, though, at Green Bay versus the Steelers versus the Browns at Minnesota, which that's a key one. But if Dalvin Cook's playing and Kirk Cousins doesn't have to throw, hmm. that's a game where they're also in Minnesota. That's, that's not a, they might, they might be able to pull that one off, but still, I mean, at that point, Minnesota, they're not tanking anymore. I mean, Minnesota's not trying to lose games. There's a good chance Minnesota wins that football game. Then they're uh, against Tennessee at home at Baltimore versus Chicago at Indy. There are no games on that schedule where you, where you can say like, Oh, Jacksonville should win one or two of these. They, there's a good chance they lose all of them. The only games that they have a shot at are at home to Chicago, potentially on the road against Minnesota, and then maybe Houston this week. But even then, they're going to be dogs in all of those games, and they shouldn't win any of those games. So when I'm looking at this, if the Jets want Trevor Lawrence, they're probably going to have to lose out. They're going to have to be 0-16 because I don't see Jacksonville winning more than – I don't see Jacksonville winning. I actually think Jacksonville is going to win, finish one in 15. So if the jets wanted Oh, and 16, or it's going to have to come down to strength of schedule. And I think which the at 10, jets, I believe the jets would lose that tiebreaker right now. Yeah. Uh, right everyone. now. The, yeah. Right now jets have a strength of schedule of five, nine, three and the Jacksonville Jaguars have a strength of schedule of five, four, three. So obviously in the, in the, um, NFL draft, the number one tiebreaker after record is strength of schedule. Basically, they give the worst pick to the team that lost more games against inferior opponents. And obviously, it's close. I mean, some team goes on a run in the AFC South or something. Because, I mean, the, the thing that the uh, Jaguars have going for them right now is the Texans obviously are in that schedule. So they're, both, they're two one-win teams on their schedule. That's what's plummeting, that record. And they have the Vikings on there as well. So if the Vikings win a couple games, the Texans win a couple games, that could maybe tilt the strength of schedule in the Jets' favor, but still – This team is going to have to win zero games, the Jets, to pretty much say, okay, you're definitely getting Trevor Lawrence because the Jaguars are bad. Jaguars don't have much, and the Jaguars play a brutal schedule to close this one out.
0: That brings us to the two and five Patriots next week, which is interesting because you mentioned it. Like, imagine if the Jets, the one year the Jets, right in recent years, beat the Patriots, beat the Nemesis. And it hurts them and keeps them from Trevor Lawrence. It would just be um, it would be very Belichickian, I guess, for the Patriots to do that. But uh, you brought up a question too, though, in our chat about is this the week if the Jets lose to a two and five Patriots team with only seven games left afterwards, the bye coming quick, is this the week where we could see fire Gase finally fired?
1: Well, if he doesn't, if he doesn't after this week, he's probably just gonna be the head coach the rest of the year. That would be my guess because this is the one where the Patriots are a bad team. Two and five, right, is what they are now. They're not two yep. and six. They're two and five. Two and five. Two and five. They just lost to the Bills. They got blown out by a 49er team that the Seahawks showed is not the one that went to the Super Bowl last year. Um, they are not a – like, the Patriots aren't what they were. Cam Newton – like, the Patriots actually have less passing touchdowns this season than the Jets do. Yeah, like Cam Newton's only – they've only thrown three this season, and the Jets have four. So, as crazy as that sounds – now, obviously – what Cam Newton's done is run them in. Like he's run in a lot. I think he's got like six or seven rushing touchdowns. So that obviously makes a little bit of a difference, but the Patriots are not the team that they were. They're not as talented offensively. They could be just, they're just as injury depleted as the jets are. So if new England comes into MetLife stadium, they walk in there and they put just a smackdown on the jets. Like they just beat the jets by 20 beat the jets by 30. I think this is the one where you got the bye week long week, you move on. You let Adam Gase go. You say, look, man, we gave you 10 weeks. We gave you 10. We gave you through week 10, and or we gave you through week 9, bye week is week 10. It, we're just going to make a change, try to get a new voice in here and roll out. If the Jets play the Patriots tight and they lose by like three or four or they lose by a touchdown or it's one possession game and the Jets decide to keep Adam Gase, I don't see him getting fired the rest of the year. Like, I don't see why you would... If you keep him after the bye at 0-9... At that point, it's like, why not just roll like like You're supposed to lose every other game. The rest of your schedule's hard. Like, why not just just ride it? Just ride, just ride them to the finish line, and, and that's that's in my opinion on what would happen. If it doesn't happen after the bye, I think you're good. But you teased it a little bit, man, and I'm sure we'll get it to get into this a lot on Thursday. But I just think it is so jets that this team's bad. This team's steamrolling Tordo in 16. They're going to have the top pick in the draft. They're going to take the generational player that's going to have a higher scouting grade than even Andrew Luck did. And you're going there. And Bill Belichick's sitting there and saying, you know what? We're not making the playoffs. We're not We're not making a Super Bowl run. This is kind of like a regroup, rebuild. You're kind of like the Seahawks did when they went 7-9, 8-8 and, nine, eight and eight a couple years ago when they blew up the Legion of Boom. If we lose to the Jets, it's not the worst thing. I mean, because losing to the Jets, it's kind of like, all right, I mean, it improves our draft stock some, and it takes them out of the running for tri- – I don't have to deal with Trevor Lawrence for the next 10 years. This would be the game that if you're looking for a Jets money line, if you're looking for, for a, a roll of the dice on the Jets winning a game, if you're looking for an alter, alternate spread or something like that, Jets-Patriots, I, I might dabble in the money line a little bit because this is one where I can so 110% see – the Jets beating the Patriots. And this will be the only game they win. And they will finish the season one and fifteen, have the number two pick in the draft, and miss out on Trevor Lawrence because they beat the Patriots. And Bill Belichick will be walking off the field at MetLife Stadium after a after uh, Sergio Castillo connects on a 48-yard field goal <laughs> as time expires to beat the Patriots 19-16. Bill Belichick will be walking off that field with a grin ear, with an ear-to-ear grin laughing his ass off because it's just one more way to stick it to the jets just one more way for bill belichick to give the two middle fingers to the jets and say haha. you know what i mean like worst season in franchise history just just steamroll but the one glowing is that you know what you could get the best quarterback prospect the generational quarterback prospect and bill belichick just comes into metlife stadium looks at the team that he was the coach of for about 35 seconds and goes you know what you're not getting Trevor Lawrence. Here's a 1916 victory. Here it is. Hand it. Hand it and I, I could so, so see it happening. So it's like I seriously, I I don't know what I think the Jets opened as like six point dogs. So that money line is going to be juicy. I might dabble in that because I can so see that happening. I can so see the Jets beating the Patriots on Sunday, on Monday, Monday. So see that happening.
0: That brings us to the number two pick that you mentioned. And actually, Good we got transition. a great question. Good yeah. transition. Hey, there you go. Uh, we got a great question, actually, in the chat on this. So I'll let Aaron Pultman uh, get the question to you. but. With how Justin Fields is playing, how bad would it be to have that second pick? And as far as Justin Fields playing, here's the numbers against Penn State. Penn State, a very good defense, by the way, in the Big Ten. Obviously, a top-10 team preseason, although they're 0-2 right now. Uh, But Justin Fields, 28 of 34, 318, four touchdowns, no picks, 97.2 QBR. His numbers week one were even better against a lesser Nebraska defense. The thing that's been impressive about him, Connor. He didn't even run the ball this week. He just sat back there in the pocket and picked apart this Penn State defense. High percentage, high completion percentage, no mistakes. I mean, yes, Trevor Lawrence is generational, but man, Justin Fields
1: is is fun to watch. You've been on that one for a bit too. Like you've you've kind of you were the first person I think that has kind of said like, well, what about Fields? Like what about and like we, we talked off air text. Like I remember you've been kind of like you know Fields is pretty good, dude. Like Fields is no like just just any number two prospect and. My initial opinion on on the whole thing was no, it's it's either Sam Darnold, or it's either Trevor Lawrence, or you just run with Sam Darnold. Like I thought that, but with how Sam Darnold's played, like right, the last, that's the key too. Yep. Yeah, like how he's played this season, how he's played since he came back from the injury, that just how bad he's looking. And that I mean, look, you can again blame the coaching, blame the playmakers, blame the blame it all. Like the Jets have have I've said it before, I've written it a hundred times. They have criminally failed. And eliminated the needed variables, and they've criminally failed in in cultivating an environment for their young quarterback to have success. They have not done it. I mean, there, there have been every other situation in the NFL with a rookie quarterback is better. Even the Giants with Daniel Jones, you can make that argument that that situation. I mean, they're they're dreadful too. But even they are a little bit better of a situation right now than what the Jets have done for Sam Darn. I mean, it's been cruel what they've done to this young guy, but still he's doing things where it's it's regressing and you wonder if he's taken such a beating these first 3 years if you like will he ever be the same or will he always kind of be like what David Carr was with the uh the Houston Texans where where he took such a beating early in his career that it just ruined him that it just it like he had the talent he had the potential he had the accuracy the mobility but he took such a beating those years with the Texans got sacked and hit so much that like he was just done like he it, he didn't he didn't have a broken internal clock like it was a it was run over 17 times by a mac truck like and david had no chance of of being really a successful quarterback moving forward so i i wonder if that's getting to the point with sam and and with how fields is playing i'm not so on board of sam or trevor i'm kind of starting to teeter a little bit on that fields is a a nice alternative if you go one in 15 and he's there and do you just restart it with another rookie quarterback and do all that again now the one thing that I will say that the Jets need to weigh and that the Jets will have to weigh is look at what the Washington football team gave up to go get the number two pick and Robert Griffin the third years ago. Uh, look what the uh, Eagles gave up to go up to number two and get Carson Wentz. Teams are willing to go to trade up to get the number two prospect. They're willing to do it. I wonder it's it's going to be fascinating i'm i'm t te- i'm i was so on keep sam darnold if not trevor lawrence now i'm kind of like straddling the fence and figuring out do i fall left or right like i i every day i kind of go one way and then i come back the other way and i go back the other way like I, I move all the time on this one um i i'd be fascinated to hear what what joe douglas says and we're going to talk to him uh this week after the trade deadline we'll we'll have a chance to meet with joe douglas and, and go over what joe douglas says and everything like that and and hear what he has to say about this team but his evaluation of fields is going to be just as important as evaluation of, of uh, Lawrence, because if I think what it'll end up having to come down to is one, what team is willing to trade, what team, what a team is willing to give up for fields, like what team is willing to trade up with the jets and what that's going to be a big factor. Also, I think the grade that Joe Douglas gives fields, how does that grade compare both to Sam Darnold coming out at USC and also the grade that you would give Sam Darnold. Now that would be, that's what I think it's going to come down to. If you look at Fields and you give Fields like hypothetically like a uh, a seven point one, and Sam was like a seven point three or a seven point zero, and that was like the grade you gave both those guys, at that point you have to weigh well the bounty of picks I'm about to get. Is that better off? Plus, do we really truly believe? And I still think there is a a, a strong contingent of people in the Jets front office that believe that if you surround Sam Darn with more talent, he will be a success, successful quarterback. They, they still believe in him. Um, I just. I'm leaning more and more towards the field side of it, and the more I watch Sam Donald play, the more I see this numbers. Like again, one completion in the second half against the Bills, six of twelve for 26 against the the um the Chiefs. It's just feeling the pressure that isn't there. I wonder if he's so broken that there's no hope for him in the Jets. He just needs a new scenery. He needs to start fresh. He needs the Ryan Tannehill experience where he goes to another team. I wonder if that's kind of what Sam needs, and if that's the case, maybe Fields isn't so bad in a alternative because that guy is. He's balling out right now, and he is playing like a pro quarterback. He's not playing like an athletic guy, like even Murray at times. Like Kyler Murray kind of ran around like an, an, uh, a guy who you wondered, is he going to be able to play from within the pocket? Lamar Jackson, you wondered if he was going to be able to play within the pocket. Ryan Tannehill, to an extent, could he play within the pocket because he was the converted wide receiver playing in the middle? You wondered those things. What you're seeing from fields now is that, no, this guy is a quarterback. Who can also make plays? He is a quarterback and he's a good quarterback and he's a hell of a prospect. And he's playing with a pretty good team right now in Ohio State. And I would love to see I would love to see him in the beat. And I'm sure we'll get it. I want to see him in the playoffs. And I want to see him play the top tier defenses in college football. I want to see him play Clemson. I want to see him duke it out. Because the one thing that converted me on Deshaun Watson, where I remember tweeting it out and saying, like, the Jets need to take Watson. If Watson is there, take Deshaun, take Deshaun Watson. I want to see fields in a college football playoff situation. gets the best of the best in a, uh, everyone in the world is watching. If he performs there too, and he's there at two, I'd take him too. I would take him and not think twice about it.
2: All right. Last question, Connor. And we're going to try and make this quick. If you know how to do that, <laughs> um, this one is from Ryan. He says, Connor, do you think Darnold will ever publicly criticize the coaches for their play calling? Or is he too much of a pro to do that?
1: Never never he'll never do it not once the closest you'll get to him you'll closest you'll get to that is what sam did uh after the bills game where he said we failed to adjust to their adjustments he will never do that sam will never you also you're never going to have a point where adam gase criticizes sam Darnold. i don't think that'll ever happen none of them i mean they're i think the jets realize that they failed sam and that they have only themselves to blame for this evaluation and i think sam realizes that you know there's no point in like burning the team on the way out like i just don't i don't i i don't know that'll never happen
0: All right, that's going to do it for us on this edition. We'll be back later in the week. We'll talk more about that Patriots game. Uh, If you'd like to join The Athletic, get a subscription right now for just $1 per week. Go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast. On Twitter, Connor's at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. Try not to get blocked. I'm at Tim (laughs) McMaster and Marissa is at Marissa underscore Morris. Have a great week, everybody. Make sure you vote tomorrow.